Making Media Tells a Story of Our Media Business Colossus. If you aren't familiar with our platform, make sure to check out joincolossus.com. There you'll find our latest episodes across each of our shows, the transcripts, supporting third-party materials, and even some written content as well. So whether you're an investor or an operator, we're out to create the content that we wish we had when we were in those exact roles. Invest like the best, business breakdowns, Web3 breakdowns, and founders each cover different angles of the ecosystem. And our special series like 50X and Return on India are targeting niche topics. Again, make sure to check out joincolossus.com for more on the platform. Let's do this. Welcome to Making Media. Humans are in an eternal quest for convenience. Save me time, make my life easier. My gosh, that was such a good start to an interview. Hello and welcome back to Making Media. Today, Matt and I are joined by Kaki Orr, the creative director for branded content at The North Face. I've long been obsessed with mountaineering films and few companies make better content about outdoor adventures than The North Face. After a career as a professional skier where she was sponsored by The North Face, Kaki joined the company and has since led the charge to create mesmerizing films of their athletes skiing, climbing, running across many of the world's most remote and breathtaking mountains. We've talked a lot on this show about content to commerce, but in many ways, this conversation covers the reverse, commerce to content. We talked to Kaki about creating authenticity while achieving the North Face's goals, how these epic films come together, and how she thinks about risk throughout the process. If you haven't seen the films that I'm talking about, there are two links in the show notes that I'd highly recommend you watch. For now, please enjoy this conversation with Kaki Orr. All right, Kaki, thank you for joining us. We were chatting before this conversation, just Dom and I, about how certain branded content is very authentic. And your branded content and what you do with the North Face is kind of like the epitome of that. We were trying to play around with like, what are the variables to this? And one of the big pieces is just the people that are involved and how authentic they are to the brands. And we put you into this category when reading about your background. So I honestly just thought a great place to start was just sketching out your backstory in terms of prior to arriving at the North Face and doing what you're doing as creative director. What was your background and your backstory in getting here? Well, I was introduced to the North Face, obviously, in like seventh grade, classic, carried around North Face backpack and had a mountain jacket but didn't really know much about the brand. And it wasn't until I started a competitive ski career in my early 20s that I really started to understand what the North Face meant to the ski industry, to snow industry, to the outdoor industry as a whole. So I started competing on the Free Ski World Tour and eventually got a few sponsorships. Some were just clothing and support from my local mountain, but eventually started winning some of the competitions and North Face reached out to sponsor me and eventually they became one of my biggest sponsors. And I got to travel around going on productions with North Face and got introduced to the North Face athlete team, which was monumental in my character development and my understanding of how impactful outdoor athletes can be. And just was set up for so much success through their leadership and support. So I carried on with my competitive ski career And as I was going on productions with 
sponsors outside of the North Face. They were really well run, organized, and I was going on a few with the North Face, and they were a little more cowboy, a little more rogue, which I still carry that forward as the foundation of my understanding of what makes this brand work. But I did see the opportunity to help support their productions. I got injured. One of my first big injuries was in around 2014. I blew out my knee and reached out to the head of production, Brandon Baker, who was doing a really incredible job of managing a huge content lift, but asked if I could come on board and just help support and get our outdoor specific productions a little bit more organized. And he saw the opportunity as well. And I headed out to Oakland from Jackson, Wyoming, where I was living and just helped get some organization to the outdoor specific productions. I went back to skiing after that stint at the North Face, but feeling way more connected to the brand. And it was also really refreshing to get a consistent paycheck. And I felt like I was at a time in my adult life where friends were buying houses and getting married and really understanding their vocations and where they wanted to go. And I was just gallivanting around the West, skiing and waitressing and working as a PA on shoots and picking up my camera as much as I could, but definitely didn't really have clear direction until that stint at the North Face. And I was like, I want to keep doing this. So I went back to skiing. I placed the lowest I'd ever placed in a free ride competition and was like, all right, we might be done here. And then reached out again and said, if you'll have me, I would love to come work in the office again. So I joined the team as a junior producer and everything kind of kicked off from there. It's funny that you referenced how you were looking at your friends and saying that they were buying houses and that might be something that you want to do when you have a steady paycheck. I can almost guarantee all of your friends were looking at you as a professional skier saying, I would much rather be out on the slaves than I would in the office doing whatever I'm doing in front of an Excel spreadsheet or whatever it is. That's quite amusing to me as an anecdote. I think that's fair. (laughs) If we fast forward to today, what does your job entail in a nutshell? So after producing a lot of commercial photo shoots that were pretty product specific, they sometimes were interwoven with casting athletes. They were sometimes sometimes casting models, but they were really centered in commercial work. Eventually, some of those commercial opportunities yielded the chance to tell deeper stories around the products we're telling. And I really jumped into that opportunity and pushed on it, asking for more resources, sharing the opportunity to tell some stories that go beyond just product marketing. And eventually I started running production and helping build more of the strategy behind our art team and how we bring our bigger seasonal campaigns to life. That was more rooted in storytelling and brand equity building and just speaking from a more authentic place rather than being driven from product marketing. North Face has always told stories about their athletes. That's a fundamental DNA of the brand, but there hadn't really been a strategic pillar of the marketing plan. It was pretty loose. Some projects just got pushed through because they were epic ideas. Sometimes we had more money. Sometimes there was a leader in charge who believed in storytelling at that time. But about four years ago, we started TNF Presents with a colleague, Rob Wasmer and I, We wanted to create a unified program where sets of stories could sit that really speak beyond 
just the experience of an expedition and spoke to more nimble opportunities to talk about our purpose and values and unify everyone under a shared recognition of a truth or a human condition that we can all relate to. So I spent those early years of the program really trying to establish our ethos, what makes these films unique to the North Face and what makes them beyond just athlete storytelling. And so TNF Presents was a little bit of a love child in that both Rob and I had entirely different jobs. It kind of felt like a little bit of pro bono work. We were scraping together and advocating for funding almost on the side of our job, running to our social impact team. We got to tell this story, running to our brand marketing team. I know this isn't a product, but running to the leader who's in charge and just saying, we've got to do this and scrape saving money from production, scraping them together and trying to put them behind films. So we had some great success and that's probably because we had to use any available time and really concentrated in a few projects and we weren't overtly funded or even emotionally supported in the journey of creating films. I just fell in love with the opportunity and the platform of the North Face was incredible, obviously. There was a change in leadership a year and a half ago. And that's like part of what makes working at a brand challenging. But when the opportunities are married with the right leader who sees the potential in whatever program you're behind, it can be pretty magic because there's a lot of authority in the direction the brand needs to go. So about a year and a half, our CMO, Sophie Bambuk, joined our team. And I was like, great, fresh opportunity to pitch this program that we've been working on for a couple of years. And she immediately understood that storytelling is our DNA and that TNF Presents means something. I've come up through production, partnered on content strategy, helped put together stories, not just in product marketing, but beyond. And from that, there was like a little light shown at the opportunity to unify our stories under one brand, TNF Presents. And we're finally rolling with it. And we've got some good success thanks to our new leadership. When you say success, it's very difficult to measure that type of thing as it relates to some of these projects and productions. But do you have a general sense of what it means for something to be successful versus not successful? Success for me right now is defined by the continued opportunity to tell stories. So when you look at individual projects, yes, it's really hard to determine what that return on investment is. Some films have great legs in film festivals and have great viewership online, but you can't really drive that to an exact return on investment. And I think that that's part of the branded entertainment industry's crux right now. But I think it's a unique opportunity. We can get into that in a minute. But right now, for me, success is the ability to almost institutionalize brand storytelling at the North Face and for everyone who's a part of the brand to understand that that is why the brand was started was for Doug to tell stories about his friends climbing and to enable those stories through product development. So it's been really cool to get back to that and really have people heed that opportunity and understand that we've got this authentic chance to continue to unify. So success for me right now is how many stories can we tell and can we tell them well in the right partnerships and be able to carry on telling more. 
when you think about these projects, if we can dissect them a little bit, at the very earliest stage, how do the ideas or stories get picked? Is it you're isolating and finding the athletes that you think have a particularly interesting story to tell? Are they coming to you with ideas and stories to pitch? What's the origination of one of these individual projects? It's been inconsistent around how we've seeded ideas and granted film opportunities. We have an expedition council where our athletes annually get a chance to pitch their dream projects. These are sponsored through a variety of ways and they come to life through a variety of ways. Sometimes there's a brand marketing need. They're going to tell a story about a new shoe that's coming out and our athlete that shoe enabled our athlete to run a fastest known time across the Cascades. And we want to marry that with commercial opportunity as well as telling the story about this athlete's amazing expedition and accomplishment. Other times there's through the lens of the Athlete Expedition Council, there's a sports marketing agenda. This is a priority athlete for us. We believe in what they're doing. They're pushing the world of sport forward. And we believe that we need to tell this story to push climbing, push running, push alpinism forward. And there can be that agenda. And then from the creative lens is more where I come in and I will support peeling those stories open for sports marketing and for a brand. That's kind of where my job as creative director comes in, where there's an oversight and support to no matter what the motivation is for telling that story that I'm unifying them all in the opportunity. But when it comes to a creative lens and a purely creative lens, I'm looking for stories that fit within TNF Presents. And those are the stories where my team can say, we believe in this opportunity because it fits into where we want to center our stories. And this film is uniquely North Face and we are the ones that must tell it. So there can be multiple reason, ways that stories come to life, but not all of them will sit in the North Face Presents. Not all of them will be engaged in product marketing and some of them will be pushing the world of sport forward. So that's kind of where my job as creative director intersects with the film program that I'm passionate and kind of a purist about. Let's say an idea is put forward and you think it ticks the box, particularly for TNF Presents. What generally, and maybe there isn't a general, but what generally does the timeline for that project and film look like? And how many might you be working on concurrently? Or is it like everyone is focused on this thing for the next X number of weeks or months? So we're fresh into kind of a new planning and the opportunity to like overtly fund the North Face Presents as well as another program to get our athletes and films into larger distribution. We can get into that in a second, but ideally we're working on about four to six films over the year. But if you look back at what we've created, it hasn't had that cadence. Some projects we obviously very recently dealt with COVID. So some of our projects that have just come to life were in the run for more than three or four years, learning to drown which is a film about Jess Kimura. She brought that film to me and a partner at the North Face, John Torres. I mean, I think six years ago. And it took a couple of years for us to figure out what that project could look like, but we believed in it. And then there was COVID. And so projects sometimes have taken up to four years, but ideally we're looking at anywhere from eight months to 18 months. I believe that the timeline for 
projects should be fluid. And part of the problem with the way that we were working before in granting projects to our athletes was so much interconnectedness with the brand marketing calendar that it really limited the potential and the creative potential of the story coming to life up against March 15th when we launched the shoe or we launched this snowboarding jacket. So we finally set ourselves a little bit free from that with our new planning and new opportunities and new leadership, understanding how important that is to projects reaching their creative potential. On the logistical side of things, it's interesting because I think with most video type projects, there's this expectation that most things will be taken care of for them. I think in your case, you're dealing with athletes who are very used to being out on their own and <laughs> adventurous and doing things. And Dom and I were laughing this morning about the Earthside film, how it took six days to reach that base camp and 13 hours <laughs> across that terrain and just wild, adventurous set up just to get to the place where the action was actually happening. And I'm curious on that side of things, like how involved are you on the logistical side of things? How much are the athletes taking control on the logistical side of things when it comes to these projects? We put a lot on our athletes, but that's just because we've gone through and now I've been at the North Face seven years and helped produce athlete expeditions for that whole time. And ultimately it's the athletes that are out there putting their lives on the line. And it's been great for them to have the support of an in-house producer at the North Face. And every project's totally different, as you can imagine, on how much we weigh in and support and help with logistics. But in a project like that, Christina Lusty was an absolute backbone of the logistics for that expedition. I was here to have calls with her as often as she needed to, to figure out what was next and keep things on track and provide that more like producer's mindset up against some of the realities that she's facing in the planning. But yeah, just due to the nature of where athletes are headed and the fact that many of these athletes have been dreaming about that zone, have even gone there before their project comes up, it just makes more sense to have them working on the ground around like the logistics. Is that the same case when it comes to, from a budgeting perspective, is it as simple as we have this amount of dollars that we can attribute to the project and you work with them to allocate that efficiently? Is there a lot more involvement when it comes to that? Like, I'm curious when it comes to organizing all that transportation, obviously there's a gear element, but how is that coordinated between you and the athletes? We'll work backwards. What are the goals coming out of this trip? So specifically for Baffin, they were going on a brand marketing trip. We were sponsoring the trip of a lifetime for them, but our goal was to get assets that we could use to highlight our Summit Series launch, which is our premium ski and snowboard and high alpine line. And so we knew what we needed for it to be delivered from that trip. And so we kind of just started from there. We know we wanted two filmmakers on the ground, cines at this point, because we weren't really sure what the output was exactly, but we just wanted the trip captured, soup to nuts and delivered in the raw. But the most important thing, and sometimes the most complex thing when just planning the expedition 
before you even understand what the film is going to be is making sure that the athletes are stoked on who their partnership is going to be on the ground. And the combination of artistic demands as well as safety and fitness and experience are really one of the harder aspects of balancing the brand's agenda and making sure our athletes are stoked and creatively we're getting it done. I would love to dig into that aspect a bit more because I think that's so unique to your form of media here where like you have to have implicit trust between the people capturing the stuff and the, the athletes doing their work. How do you engender that? Is it a case of just syncing the two people up and saying, can you spend some time together in a fairly low risk environment or like other other tactics to make sure that you have, as you say, the athletes are stoked when it comes to, I'm going to this place with this team. If an athlete comes to us and is like, I have no idea where to start. I'm going on this expedition. My job is to be able to help them with a short list of people that I think would be appropriate, but that rarely happens. We're working with some of the top athletes in the world who have storied experiences and content creation up against their sport. So they usually have an idea around who they want to bring. I think it gets a little bit more complicated when you look at beyond the capture and what do, are we hoping to create in post-production. For the Baffin Island trip, it was pretty straightforward. We knew we were going to need some social edits, maybe a recap of the trip, aka like a hype reel, and then some more commercial assets highlighting the product that they were using. So on that front, that was the original intent of the trip. It obviously transitioned into something else, but there's a lot of projects right now that we're looking at where athletes have an idea about who they want to partner with on the ground, but they might not be the right fit to put the project together to have it reach its potential. So it's then finding the right balance of, okay, this is the person you want to go with. They're perfectly capable of capturing what we need. You have got trust in them. And then it's thereafter where my job really becomes important in how are we putting together the final project? Who are the right people in the room topically? Also, who is, is there a need to make sure that we have the right narrative producer, someone who is potentially in that community beyond sport even, and making sure we've got the right consultants on the project and that we're making sure that we're landing what we want to do and that everyone feels good. So I think that that's where my job comes in, especially in this iteration of my job, most importantly, because that'll make or break the output. The editor is just super important. And a lot of times the people who are on the ground want to edit there's like a great starting point there, but sometimes having an external perspective on the journey and the story can really pull it together in an elevated way. I completely agree with the outside perspective on this stuff. Sometimes people front and center need to step away and let someone else have a fresh pair of eyes or ears on something. And often you end up in a better place, which leads into a question about at the very beginning, someone's pitched an idea for a story and what they think can work. But how often does that change versus when you get the footage back or people come back from the expedition or the project and now you're faced with a ton of assets and also something may have happened on shoot or after where the story now needs to change and actually the final product will be quite different from what the first pitch was? That always happens. Every single time. <laughs> I'm starting when I'm bringing in the rest of my North Face team, like, here's the idea, here's the center of what we're hoping to capture, but we're making documentaries. And I think that knowing that that will always happen has led me to 
pitch projects a lot differently than I used to. I've learned around that there's going to be so many variables and a variable that continues to be challenging, yet the creative tension is valued. And I learned so much from it is actually how in partnering with athletes who care very much about what their personal brand looks like, how they show up, where they feel like they can be vulnerable or not is one of the biggest challenges. It's something I enjoy a lot, but how an athlete thinks that they're seen or wants to be seen is quite different than what would make the story better. So that's always fluid. And it's part of the reason that I love my job so much in that I was on the athlete team. So I'm given that I guess I'm given some integrity and some authority in driving those conversations, which there can be a lot of tension. And if you look at it as creative tension and really try to peel away ego and not just from the athlete, but from myself too, and the filmmaker, you know, just really peel it out and be like, what is going to make this project the best? And what are you willing to either sacrifice or how are you willing to show up so that we can let this breathe? How has that changed the way that you pitch the projects? Because on the one hand, I can understand knowing that that's the case. On the other hand, when you go into the pitch meeting, it's hard to say, well, this is what I think, but I'm not really sure what it'll be. Is there an effective balance that you found, which also still gets things greenlit? Yeah, I think I've changed my center of pitching and like, to this is what we're going to get. Here's how we're going to accomplish it to... What are the conversations that we want to start as a result of funding this project? By bringing that forward as the creative center of the pitch, the why, that usually doesn't change. Sometimes we start more conversations. Sometimes the conversations are a little more dynamic than we want to, or that evolves too. But it allows for everyone in the room who I'm trying to have them see the opportunity to ultimately come back to that because the conversations are going to be topically consistent because of the nature of the project, but it leaves a lot of room to let the project be what it's supposed to be in its authentic form. How do you deal or think about the risk element in the content that you produce? In these films, these athletes are putting themselves in some element of danger. Obviously, they've prepared and planned and deal with risk as best they can. In Earthside, for example, at one point, two of them are under a serac. The rope is shorn, like it's now tied against a rock. You know, at the time, you know, got the music playing in the background, making more tension. Like I felt tense watching it. I don't know how you going into it and while the athletes are out there, how you think about it from a business side. It's tough. And it's something that's very top of mind when we agree to get behind a project. But our sports marketing lead, James Kelly, is incredible at managing our athletes, managing who they are, what they want to accomplish, what's their reason for being on the team. So I just think like in that front, I can inform the conversation, but I really lean on James Kelly and the rest of the sports marketing team who truly know their athletes and what they're capable of and make sure that they have the conversations around making sure they're doing something for the right reasons. And it's pretty obvious. 
we sponsor athletes who are doing speed ascents at 8,000 meters, paragliding off the top. I mean, the risk profile of what that means to do that and capture that content is just at the top 0.01% of risk across the board. But that is who that athlete is, and they're going to do it anyways. So how do we not interfere with what they're going to do without us? And how do we capture it with the right partners so that we're not involved in affecting what is already a risk that they are going to take? I'm very curious about this because as I watch it, I'm always just thinking about it. How often is that conversation being had? You know, is it tied to every project? Like what are the serious risks associated with this? Or is it just kind of like understood that there's going to be some pretty intense risks? It's not in my DNA, (laughs) that level of risk taking. But I think with all the athletes, there is a certain level of it that's there. And I imagine that extends back to the brand. I'm just genuinely curious if you're ever in a, you know, sitting there listening to a project pitch and just like looking, you know, next to you and saying like, shit, this sounds like the most dangerous thing ever versus it's just kind of like that's expected with every project. There's, there's formal conversations around the risk profile of any project that we're sponsoring to get out in the field. But I think that there's risk in everything that we do. There's risk in driving a car every day. There's risk in climbing an 8,000 meter peak. There's risk in throwing a backflip off a 40 foot cliff. I mean, there is the consistent, what we're doing out here has that extra layer. But if we're commercializing or really like selling that moment, we have to have very clear conversations about what that looks like. And also how, if what we're doing is going to interfere with the risk that's already being taken. Because what you see on camera, say we do a film on Blake Paul, he's a snowboarder. He is just a total cat ninja in the air, lands everything. But we're only seeing 20 minutes of his antics throughout the whole season. He's doing 10,000 minutes of those antics the rest of the time. So I think you're having overt conversations of it, but you're also recognizing the nature of why we have an athlete team and making sure that we're just getting behind projects that feel right for who that athlete is and what they're ready for. There isn't necessarily formal checks and balances, but we have the right people at the North Face safeguarding the opportunity and continuing to have conversations with the athletes along the way. We don't just say, your project's funded, kick it. We're really along the timeline and the journey with them. But yeah, it's been a tough couple of years for the North Face. We've lost a lot of athletes and some of them, most of them we weren't filming at the time. None of them we were. So we understand how bold our athlete team is and what we're getting into. So we're very conscious of keeping everyone safe, but most importantly, knowing our athletes and I give James Kelly credit for keeping his team grounded and supporting them on reaching their goals and objectives, but keeping the temper there a little bit. I can't imagine what that's like. And obviously, as you've alluded to already a number of times, you build personal relationships with all these people, let alone the business and what you're doing with films and stuff. You just know these people on a personal level. Shifting gears a little bit, let's assume at this point that 
the film has been created. Everyone's come back from the project. You've now got the film that you want to publish. How do you think about distribution? Most of the time I see your work on YouTube where you've got a big presence. And I think Lotsi, you mentioned earlier, has millions of views and is an epic film. Are film festivals an important channel here? Is YouTube kind of the sole thing? How do you think about getting your work out there to as many people as possible? It's been really tricky just because there hasn't been, as I said before, it hasn't been a strategic pillar of marketing. And it's oftentimes after the film's created that our marketing team is like, whoa, this is sick. But by then, paid media budget's been spent, event budget's been spent. We've always believed in storytelling and films, and we have a really great partnership with Mountain Film. But it's been anything but fluid, and we're definitely right now very much focused on creating a better plan, As especially now that we're saying we believe in funding our films. We're going to give some agency to that opportunity. And alongside that, we're going to resource distribution appropriately. We're limited in TNF Presents as we distribute funding. We want to keep the films around 30 minutes. Post-production budgets really blow out quickly as time extends beyond 30 to 40 minutes. When you look at compartmentalizing a budget especially with music costs on the rise. That's something to really think about is like the time, the length of the film. And you don't want to put parameters on it, but if there's a production team responsible for delivering the project, time is important. When you think about larger distribution beyond YouTube, so the appetite, the media appetite is for films that are longer than 40 minutes. And we haven't really been a part of any of those. Our athletes have been, but Broader distribution means committing more boldly, more overtly, and playing more in the entertainment space than TNF presents. So we're working on that opportunity right now, but traditionally, like in the outdoor space, it's a grant-based structure. You're saying, we believe in this project. We're going to pay this much for it to be created. These are the partnerships that we're going to need to get it done. And our expectation is that you're delivering us an owned film a teaser, and some additional marketing assets. And that's kind of been the standard. But if we want to press on the distribution opportunities in entertainment, we're going to have to start thinking about more of a finance-based model than a grant-based model, knowing that we're not going to be able to say, great, we want to make feature docs. The market's also crazy right now for feature docs, and they can cost upwards of a million at the minimum to play in in a big way. But that's kind of the split on distribution right now. So we're working on a better plan now that we're hoping to have a more consistent rollout of films. But there's a lot that needs to still happen for that to go down. When you think about the positives and negatives to that, playing in a different world, and there's a certain budget element to it. But when you think about the positives that would come with that notoriety, whatever it might be, what are the main selling points to making that leap if you decide to test the waters with doing film festival type bigger projects? For me, it's about bringing more people into the stories that we're currently telling. And the opportunity there is if we were to play on a bigger stage, it would then just open the eyes of many new consumers, many new people who are interested in great storytelling and potentially go and check out 
our owned projects that live on our YouTube. And I think that it can build hype and equity around the brand. But I also would love to see more people engaging with what the outdoors can bring. And even just what even the communities that we're involved in outside of just our athletes and outside of just being an outdoor specific company. I think that it's kind of about that funnel, bringing awareness to the fact that we are creating really cool content. And I also, I think it can help build our athletes careers and bring more people into awareness of what they're outside doing, bring awareness to where North Face is putting their impact strategy and who we're partnering with to be fanatically inclusive and bringing people into the outdoor space in a easier way. It doesn't have to always be at the top of the mountain, but we're also doing a lot of work with community partners that we want to tell more stories around. So I think it's about the funnel ultimately and reminding people that North Face is about storytelling at its foundation. Do you have other brands that you look to specifically in this branded content space that you find inspiring or you look up to and they don't have to be competitors in any way, but any other brands that you think do this particularly well? I really look up to Scott Ballou and what he started at Yeti Presents. They have done an incredible job of really finding their voice and they, they committed their entire marketing plan to telling stories about the wild. And not only do I love the films that they do, I think that he was like a visionary in the outdoor world to bring a center to the stories they tell. In the outdoor space, there's like the classics and I'm always checking out what Patagonia is up to. I think Arcteryx is doing really well with what they're pulling forward. And I don't actually see anyone doing exactly what we want to build right now. Definitely not in the outdoor space. But I think that there's a lot of branded entertainment companies and consultants that are growing out of this media opportunity that the media landscape is just in absolute chaos right now. And that helps opportunity blossom. So I don't actually have like a brand that I look at right now, but there are people in the spaces that I have my pulse on and I'm curious what their next step is and what they're driving to create. Love that stuff as well. I think the best phrase I can give this type of thing is it makes me want to go out into the outdoors. Maybe you want to go out onto a mountain or out into the forest or something. It just kind of, you have that inspiration element to it. I guess you just mentioned it there, like as an outsider, quote unquote, into like the media production game over the last decade or so, what are your kind of big takeaways about producing really good film, documentary, just content? Every time you go into a new project, what are you thinking about? Like, these are the fundamentals that we need to get right. The first thing I'm thinking about is who am I partnering with? And outside of who's going to be the subject of the film, that can just have its own space because there's many reasons why you tell a story. But before anything, I'm thinking about who's the right fit to be behind the camera, who's the right fit to bring the story to life. And then the bullet point to that is do they show up as themselves? Because when there's a rawness to what makes the art film specifically like great, and I need the partners who I'm working with to show up in the raw with honesty and no bullshit, and there's also not a ton of money in this game, it's easy to cut 
through any of that grass, unsupportive bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) So definitely just number one, the people. There's been projects that have taught me that for a negative place, but there's also been projects that have really reinforced how important that is. And it's not only are they going to do great with me as a leader in bringing the project to life, but are they going to do great with the person who's the subject? So Ben Knight was an absolute legend on learning to drown. He's someone who is the project will never be finished unless you just like strip it out from underneath him. And I've never seen someone work so passionately and tirelessly on bringing a project to fruition. He's just a great example of someone who just shows up as himself, acknowledges his imperfections and gets right into the meat. So there's nothing else, honestly, like there's nothing else except for the people you're working with because projects go left and right in who you're working with. It's amazing how so much of just business in general, doesn't matter if it's media or anything, always comes back to it's just the people like they tend to be the first and the last problem, as well as like the best and the worst thing about turning up at work every day. I want to get you out on this last question. And I want to let you dream a bit. If we came back and had this conversation in 10 years time, what would you love to reflect and say, this is what we managed to achieve, or this is what my team at the North Face has done? Ooh, that's a great one. I think about this often because I have just such a long career at the North Face and there are often opportunities that pique my interest to shift in a different direction. And it's funny when I think like 10 years from now, I kind of just saw myself still at the North Face, which is so terrifying. That's cool. No, I like that. But I also would see myself way beyond content. We wouldn't be talking about storytelling as the DNA of the North Face because it'd be so obvious. Hopefully social media dies, so (laughs) we don't have to worry about that. (laughs) But but I'm sure there'll be something new that we have to deal with. But I would love for none of these questions to be relevant anymore. And we are just telling stories that are bringing more people into the outdoors. We are continuing to push the limits and that our stories are not just outdoor-centric but we've gone beyond and we're now telling films that are not obvious, but at the time, but I'm hoping that in 10 years, they're obviously North Face. I love it. Great answer. Plus one as well for long form media, which we're big fans of. Bring the nuanced storytelling. We would happily do away with social media as well. A necessary evil, I'd say. Thank you so much for sharing a glimpse into your story and the work you do. We are huge fans and I always await the next film that you put out with eagerness. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Well, this was so fun. All right. I have a very initial reaction, which is listening to that. It sounds like there's a lot more similarities than I would have expected in terms of those projects to normal projects, just in the sense that there's so many moving parts and personalities and dynamics that you ultimately work with and deal with. And so many of the conditions are uncontrollable. And it's not just let's take a camera while we do this crazy adventure. And that's what it is. So in some ways, I'm happy to hear that. In other ways, I'm sad to hear that. But yeah, there's just a lot of complexity that goes into that as well. It's funny you say that because I was thinking the opposite, but I don't think you're wrong. It was more just like there's one huge glaring difference, which is the risk element of it. The media that they produce and just involves this 
to me, a lay person, enormous amount of risk. And it was just so funny to hear her talk about it because we had a offsite a couple of weeks ago and you took me into the woods in upstate New York. And as we walked into this forest, there was a sign saying, don't shoot the bears, which I took to be kind of some lighthearted joke. But you told me then and you repeated to tell me for the next few hours that there were really bears in those woods. And let's just say it wasn't my most enjoyable few hours I've ever spent. Like that to me is risk. And we saw no bears. But this is a completely different playing field and something I don't normally have to think about in my daily business of putting together podcasts. It took all of the willpower that I have in my body to not (laughs) reference that, especially when you said that watching videos makes you want to go outside and be adventurous. I wanted to let her know that you can barely go into a zoo without turning around in fear of the risks that might be happening there. But that's, that's yes. unfair. That's uncalled for as well. I'm good in zoos. I'm good in safaris as long as there are people there and gates and stuff. You were anything but good. There yeah, were four people you were there. involved. There was no adult in the room. I needed someone with some reassuring Joe guidance. Joe and Joanna are also adults <laughs> and were completely fine <laughs> with the adventure that, yes, there's maybe a little bit of risk there, but... We handled it. We made it to the top. We came down. We just had one crying soldier the entire time. But you pick your <laughs> teammates up. That's what you do. I didn't fall over, whereas you did. Anyway, we digress. We you... should get the North Face to do a documentary on this because <laughs> I think there'd be a pretty clear story to tell about the offsite hike and how that went. Well, I would beg to differ. There was a different story in my mind to be told. So we'd have to let Kaki decide which one was better. Anyway, I do, in general, think you're probably right with the factory, if you like, is similar in terms of thinking through how to put this stuff together. I had two big points. One is like, you need this to be incredibly raw. It's about the people. They need to just show up and be willing to bear their souls. And then the storytelling element is so important. What are you trying to do? And then how do you capture that in the way that people can connect with, I think is true of all forms of media. And we talked about it a bunch on this show. Yeah, I think there's something where I wish I asked more about this. And it's hard to ask the right questions. But given her background, she didn't mention that she was a lacrosse player in college as well. And went on to the skiing career had a North Face sponsorship. So she has this athletic background. She was an athlete. And that playing a role just in terms of what she's able to do with other athletes. The whole idea of being a practitioner and how you can then relate to the subject and the people and the things. That seems to be an important piece in all of this and making great content just in general and let alone branded content. So that was something that definitely stood out to me and probably wish I could have asked a little bit more about that, although I'm not sure exactly which angle I would have taken. But yeah, her background is very, very impressive. It's so true. And this is such a lazy comparison, but I'm going to have to make it. That Jimmy Chin has a very similar backstory in many ways where he was a practitioner and then began shooting people doing what he used to do for a living. And there is something about, particularly in those environments, that connection, you have a felt experience of what it's like to be on the other end of the camera lens. And that has to play a huge role in this. It can't be coincidental that a lot of these people have a similar story to tell just very impressive, I think. And, you know, she mentioned a bit as well. She kind of understands what the athletes are going through and that matters a bunch. Yeah. What I was going to say, actually, in terms of the similarities, the whole work backwards thing is such a great methodology for any type of project you're working on. And you don't necessarily know what you're going to get out of it, but the brand with the brand needs in order to get this greenlit is certain assets that they can use for promotion or whatever it might be. 
then you know, okay, I need to get that out of this. The rest of the story will just take on a form of its own. And that's the case. And I think some of those things and lessons are important to hear because so much of what's challenging is getting funding or getting the backing for this type of creative work and especially the type of creative work which requires a budget. So I think there's some pretty cool, interesting lessons there. I always love that methodology just in general. I would love to dig in a bit more on the finances side of this stuff. So, you know, athlete comes, puts together their dream trip, gets greenlit for, for argument's sake, let's call it $100,000. And then when you start to do the actual planning, the prices tend to be different. You go on holiday, you think, oh, I want to go to this place. And then you start piecing it together. You've bound to have forgotten a bunch of things. And then you come back and be like, oh, it's actually going to cost you 200 grand. We still good? Yeah. I just love to see how that actually unfolds because as you said, like a bunch of it is on the athlete and probably quite rightly so, like it's their trip and they're the ones taking the risk. So they should be really buttoned up with how it's going to go. But I would be very intrigued by exactly how this process works. And it's kind of amusing in the first place that they do do these pitches because the story, as she said, always changes. And it's like the pitch could as well just be like, I want to go to this place and I want to ski this line or I want to go to this place and climb this wall and the story will unfold based on whatever happens like you're dealing with the natural world here and that tends to surprise people yeah i mean grant based means there's a very specific number (laughs) that's granted and you work within the confines of that versus finance based which is referencing in terms of making that next leap starts to get a little more gray so i think that's an interesting way to do it that's an interesting approach i do wonder if somebody gets the grant has plans and then they kind of stuck out there without (laughs) some resource or something. But yeah, it is interesting to understand the mindset behind it. And then just the whole brand idea and what's driving that too. We talked a bit about this offline before we spoke to Kaki about how we spent like a bunch of this year talking about content to commerce. And this is so almost the reverse. You know, North Face sells clothes and now they make content to showcase their clothes in action. I can imagine there are a bunch of complications with that. People, when you go from content to commerce, they prioritize the content. And she explained for a bunch of that conversation how she's had to fight to for this kind of right to tell stories in a longer format where that would never happen the other way around. But like depending on what's driving the bargain, the tail's wagging the dog in some ways. Yeah, it's kind of interesting to see the differences. Yeah, no, I like her point on Yeti. They do an excellent job as well telling stories. It's related to what they do, but it's also just the ethos of the brand. The only other company that I've seen that I, for some reason I'm attached to the content they make, Tracksmith, which is a running brand. And you would put it on in the background almost is what I would say, which I think a lot of this adventure content, when I think about either surfing videos or some of this nature, hiking, skiing, snowboarding, climbing, I think about being at like my local surf shop which also has snowboards and skis and it just being like on repeat on the televisions. So it's kind of like this ambient, great content that, you know, is associated with the brand, but yeah, it's pretty interesting. I'm in so many ways so jealous of what she does. I think I like the mountains more than anything. I love the content they put out. (laughs) You barely lasted 20 feet on the mountains. We (laughs) ate a creek of water and you were worried that we were going to drown in a flood. As long as I knew, no one was giving me any confidence about how to deal with a bear and what bear might even show up. (laughs) If I had a few pieces of instruction, which I could actually believe, I think I would have been in a very different state of mind. Let me tell you, if anybody ever gives you advice on how to deal with a bear and it's not 
just never have to deal with a bear, <laughs> you should actually be questioning them a lot more. <laughs> well, I rest my case in that instance, then we shouldn't have been there. That's, that's what I was trying to tell you. Bears are everywhere these days in the US. <laughs> you should come to the UK. I haven't seen a bear yet, nor have I ever seen a sign for one. Anyway, back to my point. I love what they do, and I get lost in their YouTube account a lot. Well, I'm glad you're in their YouTube account because that is the way that you will experience what they do. Something tells me if you won't go for a hike in the woods, you're not going to go atop a ski mountain that's never been skied before 13 hours in the depths of the Arctic to go skiing. I'll have some ski strapped on. I'll be able to outrun any bear. That's part of the thinking, right? Eh, bears are pretty fast, so be cautious. Awesome. Well, that was fun. We had that one teed up for a while. Definitely watch some of the stuff on YouTube. Dom gave me some homework assignments, and they're excellent. So highly recommend that. And yeah, if you have other examples of great branded content, would love to hear about them. These are just like interesting projects that I think I have an interest in from like a non-monetary perspective. I do think if I could do one thing, it would be make a documentary that was several years long in terms of the filming and wouldn't be so much about any dollars and cents attached to it. Just be like creating something that covered a really long period of time and could be released well in the future. So this type of content speaks to me in a lot of ways. What a fun project. Like That is the best. If you go into something saying, I'm just going to film a bunch of stuff and the story will come out of it. Like you don't have an agenda, but you kind of go into interesting places or meeting interesting people and just seeing what will unfold. Oh, Malik talked to us about that with Brunello Cuccinelli. I just went there and I like, had a conversation with him. No real intention, but he's just an interesting person. This is like taking really interesting people, going to some of the most remote places in the world, like something is going to happen. And you're just not quite sure when it is or what it's going to be. And then you end up with all of this film and then piecing together the elements. That sounds so fascinating. Hoop Dreams captures so many different things as a part of it, but it's such an incredible documentary. And they had a storyline that they were interested in following, but the stuff that comes out of it is crazy. And it's some US dynamics that maybe wouldn't make as much sense for you. But a lot of people call it like the best documentary ever. It's done in the early 90s. I watched it like a year ago and it's just insane. Called Hoop Dreams. Yes. Wow. That's some high yep. homework for me to do. Sounds good. Yeah, it's long. It's very long. How long? What's long? Three to four hours. Well, that is long. Yeah. I'll give it a go. I'll report back. All right. Awesome. Well, this was fun. Good stuff. Yeah. See you next week. Indeed. Indeed.